This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, you're with Lee Trilin and Sharad Kutten. Tonight, we are discussing additional subjects and skills that we would like to see introduced in schools. This comes as the Ministry of Education is looking to fund combat sports in schools. First, we're going to talk about the benefits of combat sports and whether schools are ready for it. But in a larger sense, we want to know, what subjects and activities do you want to see introduced into our school system? Call 7733-2900, tweet us at BFM Radio and send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U-Mobile number 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story. It is 6.09. So, first things first, um, this is not an introduction of combat sports into schools. Uh, we are talking about uh, the about providing further allocations to develop uh, combat sports. But before people start texting us and telling us that, you know, they already have silat or they already have karate, um, that we, we know that. So essentially, um, the education ministry is looking to provide allocations to schools to develop the advancements of combat sports within both the primary and secondary schools in the coming years. Maybe worth knowing when they said this, because the Deputy Education Minister, Lim Hui Ying, uh, talked about this during the close of the 12th MOE Wushu Federation of Malaysia. Asia Wushu Championship. And she said that the idea here is that allocation would unearth talent in various combat sports through training and the organization, uh, organizing of events or competitions at school level. Uh, she also said that, I mean, yes, they have been listed in school co-curricular activities, and the implementation of this initiative would require collaboration between state and district education departments. Now, um, at this moment in time, at the Sports Development High Level Committee meeting last month, it was agreed that combat sports will now be classified as a sporting activity because previously it was a uniformed body activity. So just some, some shuffling around in terms of definition. Yeah, what's also interesting is that we understand through these statements that the Ministry of Education uh, is actually in some sense part of this uh, thinking about how sports fits into the nation, right? And so it's about talent, it's about people who excel in those individual sports, uh, it's about competitive sports and, and, you know, and all kinds of sporting events. But... The other side of sports, I think, is sometimes neglected and, in my opinion, even more important, which is just to make sports part of our lives, uh, you know, especially when you consider how sedentary uh, our lives are around school, that school is the first place that kids are told to sit put in a chair and not move, and, and, and that has such implications for the rest of their lives. So I think it's interesting. Um, again, it's why I wanted to talk about the context, because she was talking about this during an event, um, during a competition. So it makes sense that she's talking about it through the context of talent. Uh, when I say she, I mean the Deputy Minister of Education. But I I think that in line with that, I would like to have a, bet, a, a more wide-ranging conversation about the benefits of sports in general. Um, I've talked about this before. I was a real bookwormish child. And uh, in the school I was in, nobody really forced... You know, I, I read a book. I took a book with me uh, during a cross-country race. And nobody said anything. I just, I just read. Um, well, while you ran? Yeah. I, well, that's wow. the thing. Was I running? <laughs> so, um, but my point is that I, I sometimes wish, as a pretty active adult now, that I had gotten a better foundation in understanding how beneficial sports could be for not just my physical health, but actually my confidence, my physical confidence. I wish I'd gotten that uh, at a younger age. And I was thinking about that and how beneficial it would be in the context of combat sports in particular. Yeah, I did Taekwondo in in. in I think primary school so I got to yellow tip which uh, should uh, put me in the lower rungs of talent when it comes to uh, you know taekwondo but uh, like you Lynn I was bookish uh, I was also a television addict and I was a kid who you know unlike my elder brother who was constantly running out to find the next football game. He went on to get a PhD, by the way, uh, you know, in something like microbiology. So he, he's a smart fella. It's just that he was also always very sporty. I was not, and I also regret that. I think, you know, to, and today, the disincentives to being sporty are huge. The screen has dominated the lives of our kids. 
So, let us know. We are talking about the MOE saying that they're looking to provide further allocations to develop advancement of combat sports, specifically within primary and secondary schools. We are extending that to ask, okay, combat sports, sure, but more broadly, what subjects and activities do you want to see introduced into our school system? What would be beneficial to helping our kids be well-rounded? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 18 and tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we're going to be joined by Dr. Rizal Mohamed Razman, Senior Lecturer at the Faculty of Sports and Exercise Science in University Malaya. Keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Be free-minded. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.14 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. We are using uh, the news that the Education Ministry is going to provide allocations to schools to develop the advancement of combat sports to talk about combat sports, but also to extend it and ask what subjects and activities do you want to see introduced into our school system that aren't currently there or not? really focused on, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Okay, um, yeah, the, the question I think is, because many of us, I think, Lynn, have a sense, uh, well-founded or not, about what is available in our schools. And we, you know, looking at the world today, think all these contemporary skills that we need, whether media literacy or financial literacy. But I think uh, if it's connected to the idea of what sports does for us beyond just knowledge building, uh, what is it that, what muscles don't we, our kids use that we think need to be kind of stretched and exercised uh, that the, the core curriculum and the extracurricular activities aren't doing today? So... We talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, you had a list, actually, that you were thinking of. Yeah, so like many people, I do the media stuff. I do the financial literacy just because I was terrible at it. I had a piggy bank, though. Uh, but... Just, you know, in this last few minutes, the idea of creativity and how important it is for, in fact, the next level that we want to take, you know, the economy to, when you think about how diminished our um, emphasis on things like theatre might be or all the creative arts are in our education system. I know there's a bit of painting that goes on, at least in my day there was, but are we thinking putting enough into developing that creative end that might actually go into all kinds of endeavors, whether it's in business or in the sciences, you need creativity. So Cheng on WhatsApp says basic financial literacy. So there you go. I think that financial literacy or personal finance in some way or form is something that comes through an an awful lot. Um, And I think that has to do with... So... It's a mixed bag because if I think about your point about theatre or creativity, that has more to do with developing people in a well-rounded way. Financial literacy, though, we are still circling the issue of life skills. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. It just shows how it can run the gamut, right, of uh, the different things you might want kids to be able to learn. So life skills are interesting because in my day, it was carpentry or domestic sciences. Boys go to do carpentry. Girls uh, learn to sew. Yeah, or cook. So keep those thoughts coming. What subjects and activities do you want to see introduced into our school system Uh, or, you know, something that you think could be given greater focus? You can call us, you can send us a voice note or WhatsApp. You can also tweet us. Uh, Joining us now, hopefully we have uh, Dr. Rizal Mohamed Razman, Senior Lecturer at the Faculty of Sports and Exercise Science in University Malaya. Dr. Rizal, uh, thanks for joining us. Can you, are, are we coming through for you? Yes, hello. Uh, good evening. Good evening. So, uh, first up, let's talk about the MOE's decision to provide allocations to develop combat sports in primary and secondary schools. What do you think was the driving force behind this decision? I, it, is, it is a pretty good decision. I'm all for having sports, more sports in school. And uh, in terms of uh, the driving force, I would think uh, it came about from the um, cabinet, what you call it, cabinet uh, minister. Uh, higher cabinet, uh, high-level cabinet committee on sports uh, that decided on trying to get the gold medal as soon as possible. So one of the sports that they think uh, they will probably get the 
Gochans in gold medal is uh, combat sports, and that's how I think it came about to having uh, combat sports uh, introduced in schools. Yeah. So uh, before we get into kind of more philosophical discussions, talking about <laughs> combat sports, I understand they already mm-hmm. exist in schools, um, and but can you tell us how the, by this decision is going to amplify the presence of these particular sports in schools? Okay, let's just um, probably highlight that the combat sports that, that is normally available in schools is uh, Taekwondo. Pretty much um, any, anyone that actually goes into combat sports is into Taekwondo in schools. Uh, the thing with Taekwondo is that it's a club-based sport. So it's not technically uh, a curriculum uh, within the school uh, structure. So you have to be, uh, you know, you have to pay monthly fees uh, to the to the club to actually be able to train Taekwondo. So um, they, they're not inside the curriculum per se, uh, but they are readily available. The only downside is that those who can't afford uh, to, to pay the monthly fees, they, they can't actually join the Taekwondo clubs. So. so if we were to look then at specifically the benefits, what are mm-hmm. they uh, when it comes to combat sports and students? Um, how do they benefit? Um, there's lots of benefits. I mean, of course, there's benefits of going into sports per se. You have the physical benefits, the social aspect, the psychological aspects. But uh, particularly for particularly for taekwondo uh, or, or combat sports in general, is that you know you have this uh, multilateral development that you can have because combat sports they actually use uh, lower limbs, upper limbs, and, and and everything else in between as well. So uh, that's the major benefit. You have to you, you actually develop all the uh, motor skills uh, related to that can be used, sorry, they can be used to all other sports as well. And, uh, of course, uh, other than that, you also get to, uh, you know, the social skills, you go interact with other people, you, you actually, uh, you have uh, opponents coming in, you have, you, you have fights, you have uh, competitions. So all, the, all those are the benefits that come along with joining uh, combat sports. Now, Dr. Rizal, we have 10,000 schools across the nation, right? So when it comes to uh, giving an added push to combat sp- uh, sports as a, as a way of catching talent or identifying talent, what does the ministry have to look at in, in to, for this to actually be successful, uh, to have adequate programs and training for students? Um. Again, I'll take the example of Taekwondo because that's the most popular one. So most schools, they have a Taekwondo club uh, embedded in the schools. The only thing is that it's it's a paid club. So uh, what the ministry needs to look at is how to uh, incorporate these this coaches into their, their structure. So that, that obviously will involve cost uh, to the ministry. But on the upside is that if the ministry absorbs these costs, um, the, the students can actually join Taekwondo for free, which is which is very good. Do we have enough resources and talent in combat sports to equip our schools with a well-rounded program? Uh, again, for Taekwondo, yes, definitely. Uh, but for the other uh, combat sports, for example, like uh, Jiu-Jitsu or Karate, yeah, probably that will be a bit limited. So that one, they, they need to have coaching courses, need to expand the resources before they can actually apply to all schools. Just a quick follow-up question for you, Rizal, on the question of adequacy of uh, trainers and and experts. Is it true that Malaysian schools in rural areas have uh, taekwondo classes? I'd be quite surprised if they did. Uh, Is it or is it mostly a kind of city-based or urban-based schools that had this? You are correct, actually. Uh, mostly it's uh, urban-based schools. Uh, the further away from the urban area, uh, they have less uh, access to taekwondo clubs. Uh, but that being said, as far as I know, uh, most, uh, like each daerah, they will have their own taekwondo clubs. So even if that, that respect, uh, particular school, they don't have a club, within that uh, daerah, they will have a, a club uh, some, somewhere within close, close proximity. So if we look at combat sports, I mean, all... All activities at school have, to a certain degree, some amount of risk. But um, I think with situations where you have sparring or, or you have, you know, actual physical contact, uh, that the risks get a little higher. Can you walk us through what they might involve and what's needed to minimize this issue of risk, especially in a school setting? Yeah, that's that's probably the main, probably the main concern that's going to come from the parents, uh, being the you know, taekwondo or any combat sport in that in, for that matter, where you have all the physical risk. Uh, but again, like you mentioned, uh, 
all activities, all sports, uh, all physical sports, will have some form of risk. Uh, uh, even even video games, you have you know um, what do you call that uh, screen screen time risk and all that all these things. So um, to to look at taekwondo per se and say that oh it's a dangerous sport, that's, that's probably a uh, wrong way to look at it because like taekwondo, uh, there's also the pumse competition nowadays. So pumse pumse competition, there's no contact, uh, it's just uh, patterns. So if if that's a concern, then they can still join Taekwondo, for example, but go into the pattern competition and don't actually go into the combat part. So result, you already mentioned that the existing structures are club-based and they're not in the curriculum. Now, what will need to happen to our, what P, I used to call it PE, physical education curriculum, uh, mm-hmm. to change? And what are the, as you understand, the inadequacies of our current PE system uh, that you think might need some tweaking? Okay, that, that that's a very big, very big question. So the the, the PE curriculum, um, um, those who have read the PE curriculum, actually, it is very comprehensive. It is very good. Uh, we have gymnastics inside there, which is a, a multilateral development sport. You know, it's really good to have gymnastics for young age. So we have that in our PE system, for example. The only thing is the application. Um, you know, uh, I think you have experienced this as well. Uh, PE is one of the um, classes that get uh, shoved aside if there's any you know exams coming up, for example. Even my kids now uh, in, in uh, primary school, you know, if the exams are coming up, First, first, uh, what do you call it? Class to be shoved aside will be the PE class. So that is something that needs to be changed. Um, so if they, they pay more importance to sports and physical education, then they, they understand this. And then in terms of embedding um, Taekwondo into the PE curricula, I think that's not a big issue. Uh, they can start with embedding uh, uh, Taekwondo into the uh, co-curriculum activity. Not not PE per se, but co-curriculum activities. So, for example, in most schools, uh, usually it's on Wednesdays, you have the co-curriculum activity. So, the normal co-curriculum activity for sports is uh, football, uh, hockey, and uh, I think volleyball, basketball. So, so, those are the basic ones. So, they should start with having Taekwondo or some other martial art into the co-curriculum um, curriculum, uh, curriculum so that it is a choice for the students. Then later on, they can look into having it into the PE system as well. So if we look at what's happening now, the current MOE is championing combat sports, while the previous MOE under Masli Malik advocated for the introduction of swimming lessons in schools. Why do different administrations focus on different sports? Shouldn't there be some measure of continuity? And that's, that's a good question. Uh, and uh, I think it not only applies to sports, I think that's all policies in the government level you know, keeps changing with the changing of governments. So, yeah, um, with with Mazli, yeah, they, they wanted to actually have swimming in school, which is a good thing. Now they want to have combat sports in school, which is also a good thing. Uh, they can coexist. Uh, for me, I think they can coexist. They can push both together. And I think the KBS itself uh, has just recently launched the Swimming for Everyone program where they want to get uh, all kids um, uh, swimming classes for free. So that's a good thing. Um, I, I think it's a, I, I look at it as an extension to the swimming program. It, it shouldn't be you know, um, looked at as uh, different, uh, different policies. Dr. Rizal, um, you, know, you mentioned that one of the impulses for this uh, shift in policy uh, was the gold medal, wanting to get that gold medal. Yeah. Uh, heart of hearts, what do you feel about this approach to sports. I mean, does this country need a new approach or philosophy of sports in our education system? You have about two minutes. Sorry, I know it's a big question. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, for personally, I don't think that's a good uh, driving force. You cannot see, uh, that's very narrow-minded when you say, you know, we want to try to win gold medal. We, that's not how uh, we should look at it. We should look at it into getting more people into sports. The more people you have in sports, you have a bigger base for the pyramid. The gold medal will come naturally. We call it organic development. So, you know, you, you have more people playing sports. When you have more people, you have more choices. You have more talent. That That's a big idea. If you go in and, and, and try to say that, oh, we need to win gold medal, so we need to introduce combat sports. I mean, it's a good thing to have combat sports in school. Don't, don't get me wrong. But uh, why you're doing it, no, that, that should be correct as well. So, you know, it's not only combat sports. You want to try to get more people involved in all kinds of sports. That, that, that's how the gold medal is going to come. It, it won't come overnight. Dr. Rizal, thank you so much for speaking yep. with us today. You're welcome.
That was Dr. Rizal Mohamed Razman, Senior Lecturer at the Faculty of Sports and Exercise Science in University Malaya, talking about this uh, push potentially to allocate more money to develop combat sports within our schools. This is coming via the MOE. And since that is the topic of conversation, we are extending it and asking you, what other types of subjects or activities do you want to see introduced into our school system or do you want to see given more focus within our school system that isn't currently really there? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note to 018-789-8899. You can also drop us a WhatsApp and you can, of course, tweet us at BFM Radio. Begin fun moments. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 6.38. You're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. We are asking you a... Actually, it's it's kind of a... It's a question of imagination because we want to know what subjects and activities do you want to see introduced into our school system? This is because the MOE has said that they may soon... They're thinking about uh, allocating more funding for combat sports. So we're talking about um, taekwondo, silat, wushu. Uh, and we're asking you, because of that, so it doesn't have to be physical, just in general, subjects, activities that you think our students should be learning. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Now, before we get to the suggestions, we have a few people who are responding to the issue of combat sports. Uh, let's start with a voice note from Bing. Well, there needs to be a coordinated approach when it comes to combat sport and also between the, the Ministry of Education as well as the Youth and Sports Ministry. Uh, whether there is any significant uh, careers that uh, our, our kids get out of this is another matter. But then if you have, uh, the, the, the situation is very clear. Like, as always, the Sports Ministry do not have funds apart from just football and badminton. So if you create this kind of uh, supply chain of combat fighters coming into uh, maturity after their education, uh, is there any more future for them apart from just an education of sports, uh, uh, combat sports? Is there, is there any other thing beyond that? For the Ministry of Higher Education, is there anything that will help uh, these people come out from you know a very good program in combat sports, but then come out without a job. Is there any enhanced studies for them? Maybe in sports science or something like that. Ding, thank you. Um, I think actually that this. I'm really glad that um, you brought this up because I think that it is a fault line in the conversation that we should address sooner rather than later because the Deputy Minister of Education, Lim Hui Ying, specifically said that uh, she hopes that in, in stating this, there will be more opportunities to identify talent and, you know, to actually talk, get that pipeline that you're talking about. But of course, whether we are talking about careers or whether we want to look at this as something that is more broadly beneficial to people above and beyond how it affects their ability to earn money is, is worth discussing. Yeah, so the pipeline is towards competitions, not necessarily towards a career, right? Uh, competition and then subsequently championships and national glory, I think, is yeah, the thinking. And, you know, and that's all good and well, right? But it's not about setting up a, um, a subject in school and which case somebody would have a kind of dedicated uh, trajectory towards both championship and a career. The, but it does come back to this other dimension that I think gets lost often, which is, what is it that we're trying to address? What is the Ministry of Education trying to address uh, in kind of taking this on, right? In terms of pedagogical goals, in terms of the kind of individuals we want to build. So physicality, is that a problem for the 21st century when especially with a, a lot of us who live in, uh, you know, in a fairly urbanized Malaysia, we live very sedentary lives and we know that, you know, contributes to NCDs and that, this and that. So Physicality, I think, and that the radical potential of bringing combat sports into school is not about the careers. It's not about the gold medals. It's really about this other thing about just who we are as human beings and, and the bodies that we now uh, produce. So 
In the in the meantime, we also have Azami who says we already have Skola Sukan. Make full use of that to develop talent rather than disturbing mainstream school curriculum. Now, this is why earlier on I wanted to make clear that actually some degree of combat sports already exist within our school system, right? Um, our guests spoke quite a lot about how uh, Taekwondo is the, the most popular example. But the point is, I, I think, Azami, if I understand you correctly, I think the question has to do with... Um, Partly, whether you see this allocation as a, a good way of going about things, whether or not the allocation should be into Skola Sukan, if what you want are competitors, uh, as opposed to ensuring that, say, you know, entire classrooms of people get exposure to combat combat sports. Yeah, I don't know enough about the Skola Sukan to really kind of th- think it through, except to say that I guess is a dedicated, you identifying talent young, uh, and then you take them through a process where they get the, 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 the you know, the normal schooling uh, and your subjects, but then you get something additional, which is an emphasis on sports. Um, will it disturb mainstream uh, classes? I don't know, because I, I can't see actually getting kids using their bodies in healthy ways as being in any way a loss to the child because you can put them in front and put them seated in chairs in front of a blackboard or a whiteboard, whatever it is they have today. Um, but if they're drowsy, they have brain fog because they, you know, they're kind of sedentary, uh, how does that how is this not going to be in some sense beneficial, right? Uh, meanwhile, we have Fadzli who says, as a boxer, I'm all in for this. But I hope it also inculcates the camaraderie and respect found in these gyms and not raise a generation of wannabe thugs. Other things in school, sex education, basic nutrition, our kids need this. Also, sumo, just to dispel the myth that any random fat guy can do it. I like that because it appeals to my own uh, sense of my body. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, um, no, so I, not the sumo wrestling because I think that's a particularly Japanese aesthetic. Well, yes, but Fatsli, um, am I right in remembering that you have previously messaged us to talk about how you're really interested in sumo and this was something that you started looking more into? I, I can't remember when, but I, I think you've messaged us about this previously. And I, at the time, responded with great enthusiasm as somebody who also watched sumo properly for the first time during the pandemic, uh, not in person, but just on television and found it fascinating. I, I do like the idea, I have to say, of teaching sumo if we could do it without culturally appropriating. Well, uh, you know, I don't have, personally, I don't have fears about cultural appropriation. I think that's the, you know, that's the life of uh, human beings. But uh, I do want to say, though, I was surprised, I was speaking to Dr. Rizal earlier, and he said taekwondo. Taekwondo was big in my time, and I was going to school in the late 70s, early 80s, right? Um, that Taekwondo has continued to be and dominate the school system. Why haven't other martial arts and other types of sports uh, sporting? I'm very actually impressed that gymnastics is now part of it. I could have learned. Uh, I would like to have learned how to tumble. Um, yeah, just to close off on this for now, I think actually Fadzli... Sorry, I got on a sumo tangent, but to your main point about camaraderie and respect, I think that's a huge thing. We, we've been talking about physicality when it comes to sports, but actually this is, this is the other stuff, right? Um, whether it's team sports and how you learn to work in a team, um, or whether it's the kind of physical confidence that can come from combat sports. I, I love that you're mentioning the social element because I think that's so important. Uh, keep those thoughts coming. The question today is what subjects and activities do you want to see introduced into our school system? You can call 7733 send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Bole for Malaysia. Ha. BFM 89.9, the business station. It is 6.47. You're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. We're asking you, what subjects and activities would you like to see introduced into our school system? Uh, this is coming because the MOE is looking to fund more combat sports in school. But that's a different thing. They, they want to uh, encourage talent. And then I think they're looking to identify people who could then go on to, to compete and so on. But we want to know, since there are so many benefits to combat sports... What other things would be beneficial? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, and tweet us at BFM Radio. Let's start off with another voice note. 
Hi, Shara here. I would like to suggest for MOE to consider making swimming a skill set that all students must learn. I think with the increasing frequency of drowning incidents and the increasing frequency of flooding, um, swimming becomes an important skill set for survival. Shaira, thank you for that. Um, sometimes I wonder whether Mazli Malik feels very, very validated <laughs> uh, years on listening to this. But but I agree with you. I think that swimming is actually such a crucial life skill. Yeah, and she actually uses the word survival, which is interesting because mm-hmm. it also then, you know, gets us to the other sorts of um, or, or frame in which we put all these things. What do you need to survive today? And our, 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 is our curriculum and our schooling system updated enough to help. So, you know, the media literacy, because we complex media system, the financial literacy because of the complexity of the financial system. Uh, I think climate change, what kind of skills would you need to deal with climate change? And is that in our school system today? Well, and then, you know, if you're going to go there, which I knew you would, uh, then <laughs> I, I expect it, com- it. It comes after this, uh, you know, that rather grim discussion of human uh, tiger conflict. I, I think. knew I knew your head was there. I could see it lurking in your eyes that yeah. you were going to bring up climate change. But I mean, that's fair. Uh, then I think also in line with that, then there's food security, right? There's, um, you know, learning how to plant your own food, things like that. Measy. Um, message to say. Sports to develop muscles, health, discipline, uh, sportsmanship. Home science, apart from basic housekeeping, cooking and sewing skills to develop organisational skills and time management. Health education to instil health awareness for personal and community welfare. Interact Club, Red Crescent, Scouts and Girl Guides to encourage social responsibility. From the above list, I begin to see a more holistic approach from the days of old. We can use updated methods, but I think objectives should be maintained. Lynn, I, you know, you're significantly younger than me. So when I was in school, it was home science for the girls, uh, you know, carpentry and or metal work for the boys. Is that is that kind of genderized thinking about skills still? what's happening in our schools today? So my school was uh, small um, and therefore had to, I don't think actually had the resources to do the gendered approach, which meant that we were all in the Benkel learning how to solder. So it's... it's well, uh, is brilliant, isn't it? It is brilliant. However, I don't... I know how to sew, um, but I don't know a lot of hand stitching. So ironically, I kind of wish that... Uh, I assume what you're getting at is the notion that we should break down the gendered binary, the gendered boundaries and yeah. just everybody should know how to do a running stitch just as everybody should theoretically know how to hammer a nail um, and balance your, your accounts and things like that. Yeah, Which absolutely. I agree. Yeah, because, you know, when I was in school, there was a gendered... Sorry, I used genderized, which sounds like deodorized. Gender, the gendered approach is problematic because today that just doesn't make sense in terms of what the real world is. Boys, as much as girls, need domestic sciences. Girls, just as much as boys, need to learn all those practical skills around carpentry, soldering, whatever it is, and and, and other skills. And I think that's what's coming through in the messages. People are saying, these are life skills that are about the 21st century. Uh, Let's get the school system reflecting that. So uh, we also have a caller with us. We have got Jeff. Jeff, good evening. What are your thoughts? Hi, uh, I'm Jess. Um, I, th- I think uh, if I may, may add on, a very important subject or an, an activity that the Ministry of Education should add on is on cyber safety. Because uh, young children are, are online now, a lot more than, uh, than us, and, and they are exposed to a lot of dangers, uh, cyber risks. And, and they need to cope with it. Jeff, thank you so much for calling. Um, I think that I think that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, and I would place that under sort of media literacy, right? How do we get kids to deal with the the complexities? I mean, when I was a kid in school, I only had television, really, and radio to cope with. Now, parents have to educate their kids about a whole range of ways in which the world is is, you know, playing surrogate parent to your child. Um, also, I think, you know, Jeff, you mentioned that children are coming online much earlier, and that's so true. Uh, children are coming online much earlier, and parents aren't always 
parents aren't always able to supervise as much as they would like, I think, um, or to keep completely up to date with the various insidious ways in which children are targeted online. So I think, you know, just the more the merrier, honestly. Having schools do step up and do something here is really great. Uh, Azami is back to say, Lynn, you got it wrong. On allocation, I prefer it be allocated to targeted sekolah sukan instead of all schools. Same basis for targeted subsidies. As it is, students are being forced to learn so many subjects already. Give them a break. So I think the distinction there is, I said, allocated to all sekolah sukan instead of targeted. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, I see where you're coming from. I, I don't know, actually, that students would have been forced into combat sports, you know, it's like, it's not like we're training a militia. I, I think it's more that there would have been more money, in other words, more more training, um, more trainers, sorry, uh, more resources, things like that. I don't know if it meant that everybody would have had to. And also, I think it would be, in fact, a break for the students to get out of the classroom where they're kind of, where everything is kind of intellected, right? The math, the science and all these other subjects where you're now using your body, you're learning about your body, you're learning about how to deal with other people's bodies and you're doing it in a very disciplined way would actually change the focus of the child. I think it would be hugely welcome for children unless it's, yeah, if it's made into an examinable subject or it's made into something like the other subjects. If the approach is to actually just uh, focus on what is core to some of these combat sports, the you know, we talk about the physicality, we talk about the social elements, then I could see this as a wonderful break for the children. Um, we have another voice note that came in. Hi, my name is Dr. Rahim. I think the most important thing that need to be teaching school in this day are the financial literacy, of course. Financial literacy never been taught in school and I think it's the most important subject that need to be teached to the next generation. Thank you. Thanks, Dr. Rahim. Uh, Shane agrees with you. Madhav also says financial skills and make the learning process interesting, not just to pass an exam, but for the students to actually learn something they need for their lifetime. Um, I think we've got other people who have said it, but they've added on other issues as well, including people like Charlotte. Yeah, so it's a recognition that there are problems in the world that need uh, the, the, you know, I mean, parents, are, obviously, we can't rely on parents. Our parents also have their own lives. Actually, no. You but know what? Sorry, if I can just say, I think one of the reasons that we can't or maybe... Um, dare I say, shouldn't 100% rely on parents to talk about money is because we know so much of money is deeply generational. Um, how you think about money is often how your parents think about money. And if your parents uh, aren't necessarily the best at it, then it, it all comes through with a lot of emotions, right? You might also have grown up less advantaged or poor, and that also then colours how you think. All of which I'm trying to say is that if it's in a syllabus form, then it's taught to people in a more neutral way. You don't have to come at it with all the baggage that that people might be bringing from their parents. Right, absolutely. Parents, uh, we follow our parents in a kind of modelling fashion, right? We model ourselves on how our parents behave and so on. But yeah, so... I, I think the financial thing is interesting because of the complexities of what is available. When I was going to school, it was piggy banks or the post, uh, you know, post uh, bank, your uh, bank simpanan, uh, you know, uh, that was the way in which you learned about money, how to save and so on. But today it's just... The tools, the financial tools are just huge. Charlotte says, uh, financial management knowledge, so useful for everyone. Simple knowledge about saving interest rates. This would help minimise, uh, this would also minimise the chances of us falling prey to money scams. And then, uh, Charlotte adds, basic first aid skills. Another area that would benefit the community greatly with more first aiders around us. A few minutes makes a huge difference in saving lives. Anderson also wants to see first aid training and also a qualified nutritionist to guide and teach our kids about eating well and healthily. Yeah, so the eating well, healthily, I re really resonates with Milan because I think we learn a lot of bad habits and many of those bad habits are outside the house in the school canteen, right? What is available in our school canteens is also this other option that kids now have, right? They might have been limited by what was available at home and they could be really healthy food. And many of you have junk foods sold at schools or there's a lack of awareness about how or what is going on in the canteen and the your choices, uh, maybe that's where, you know, a, a bump up in awareness could be very useful. I think the first aid training is uh, such a great suggestion. I actually feel a fair amount of anxiety about the fact that I um, don't 
have sufficient first aid knowledge. Um, I don't re-up it every year, for example. Or, you know, because if you've never had to if you've never had to provide first aid, I think there can be a certain degree of anxiety over when the time comes, if the time comes, will I know what to do? And I agree that having some sort of backing um, at a school level would be super, super helpful. Uh, keep those thoughts coming. Today's suggestions are so interesting and um, really highlight the various priorities people have about what they want the kids to know. What subjects and activities do you want to see introduced into our school system? Call us 7733-2900, send a voice note or what WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Keep it here. You're listening to Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Bright, formidable media. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 7.08 and this is Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. Today we are talking about combat sports, but not really. Um, So it started off because the MOE has said that they're looking to increase allocations for combat sports in schools. Um, And we were thinking, okay, so combat sports is one thing, but what other subjects or activities would be nice, would be great actually to have in our schools for our kids. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, before we have a lot of very concrete things that have come in. Uh, before we keep that going, I'd like to talk about two uh, two people bringing up something you mentioned, Sharad. So Team Talking Head says media literacy and critical thinking. Our kids are always online in some way or form. We need to give them the tools to navigate it safely. Uninformed children grow into uninformed adults. And in the age of misinformation, that's dangerous. Dr. Kairi Khalil, meanwhile, says creative and critical thinking skills. Yeah, hugely important. They, in fact, I would count them as survival skills, not just for the individual, but for the nation as a whole. My question is, you know, th- there's been a lot of Talk about this for some time. Why hasn't this happened? Why haven't we done a scene, the development of this within our curriculum? Again, Lynn, you know, I don't have children. So I my sense of what's going on in schools, unfortunately, is colored by my own experience, which is far too long in the past. Right. It's from the late 70s, 80s. So maybe schools have uh, moved on. And, but I don't well, sure. Okay, so here's my question to all of us, right? Um, when we say, okay, media literacy is more straightforward because there are concrete modules that exist for media literacy. And, and that's simple. Uh, well, not simple, but, you know, it's something that, that exists. But when we say we want children to learn critical thinking or when we say we want children to learn creative thinking, um, there are so many ways to get that into the school system without a formal class. Um, there are ways to integrate that into uh, how we study history. Is such an easy example for for how to do this, um, you know. And it's then it becomes more about how we approach the teaching of it or the teaching of various subjects, and less about today is creative thinking class. Sit here and let me tell you how to creatively think, which I worry is how our school system will want to do it, right? We'll we'll want to turn it into something that has children sitting down and writing notes about how to think creatively, which is not the point. You're absolutely right because critical being critical should be in fact already baked into all subjects. It should be infused everywhere. Yeah. And if you know really good teachers, uh even something you think is so cut and dry like math, they will they will surface the importance of creative thinking even in dealing with mathematical problems, right? Unfortunately, you know, we were stuck in the old days of rote learning, uh, which didn't allow questions to be asked. You know, you just kind of have to rem- memorize things yeah. and then and so on and so forth. So, yeah, where is it? But but I personally, Lynn, I'm not opposed to pulling something like creative thinking out if it, in fact, comes with a different set of uh, subject that you might have to play with, right? Or different methodologies that yes. take you out of the class, that make you... And I think, in fact, even the physicality issue might involve some creative thinking. And so, you know, about uh, strategy, about your relationship with people. And so, so there are many ways. The question is, 
who's running our schools. Ah, so that's what I'm getting at. I, I love the mention of critical and creative thinking. I'm just loath to imagine it distilled into a, an awful textbook that says critical thinking is important. Number one, ask questions. Number two, you know, I, I just don't want it to be approached like that. Um, okay, we also have um, Han Leong who says philosophy followed by our culture does not support critical thinking. Bickley. Yeah, I, I don't know that's uh, necessarily true. I mean, if you look at the, the you know, ancient uh, philosophical traditions, even in the Malay Peninsula, we had competing jurisprudential systems or you had different ways of thinking about life and ethics and morals and justice. So it's not like we, we don't have that those resources as Asians. Uh, the question is, how do we kind of update them for contemporary life? Love the mention of philosophy, though. Yeah, and you know, there are in fact classes, I remember reading this 30 years ago, Philosophy for Children, you can bring thinking, you know, logic and all these different aspects of philosophy into the classroom at a very young age. It's not impossible. It's been done. Uh, I'm continuing on the softer stuff because there are people talking about very, very concrete things. But Lynette says, ethics, integrity, compliance. I can't say much for the current syllabus for civics and moral studies. So um, I, I think... It's interesting because, Lynette, you've tied ethics to integrity and compliance, which then become more uh, policy-related issues. But ethics alone actually fits into what Han Leong was saying earlier about philosophy. Those could be taught hand in hand. Yeah, I mean, you can teach uh, ethics, right? It's just that we, we have to, I guess, get away from this idea that if you teach somebody or put them through a moral studies class, that they come out moral. Moral. Right? I and mean, we know that, this, that there's no connect, or the, the, the connect is, a, is um, it's one that is much more complex. And so ethics is something you see in daily life. It's the way the schools are run. It's the way the teacher treats you as a person, even though you're younger and, you know, in some sense as a student, you're powerless. So ethics is everywhere, you know, um, and the schools should reflect that, I guess. Uh, in line with, again, continuing the softer thread, we've got a voice note. Hi, Iqbal speaking. I think uh, there's one subject that is very, very important for that, that needs to be taught to the children uh, in school is about mental health. Um, this mental health is very, very quite worrisome uh, to, to, to all communities in the world. So I think uh, the most teenagers and uh, students uh, in the primary school are prone to these kind of uh, tracks, mental and psychological, psychologically stuff. Iqbal, thank you. Um, I think I, I love the mention of mental health. I think the question again of how we want to, to introduce that and how we want to make people comfortable with that and keep people engaged with that is interesting. Yeah, so it wouldn't be a class so much, I guess, except uh, or maybe it's time and space within the school curriculum to have kids um, discuss and air their concerns, their feelings, learn how to communicate, uh, perhaps guided by a trained psychologist. Uh, I don't know if we have those resources put in our schools that each school will have somebody or a teacher at least who is trained in that so that, yeah, but to have it dedicated rather than wait for some kid to have a psychotic event or to spin out of control before you deal with it, right? Before it becomes a problem, it's just recognize that we all deal. Every one of us has to deal with emotional and mental health issues. Nini says dancing would be good because there are many different types of dance steps for well-being. It's about getting an innate rhythm. You can use pre-recorded video lessons to teach. I love this idea. I think dancing, again, is getting in touch with your body. I, I think, you know, I would add to my long list, Lynn, yoga. Uh, secularized yoga, okay, meaning you take the, the religious elements out of it. Because yoga really does teach you to focus, not in the the way that teachers make you sit in your on your chair and and sort of stare at the board. This is a deep sense of focus, and it comes with techniques, breathing techniques, and that's why I think yoga is such a powerful tool for learning to be calm and to be focused and to be centered. And I don't know why yoga is not taught. Keep those thoughts coming. Um, what subjects and activities do you want to see introduced or perhaps emphasised in our school system? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note to 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Building Fit Malaysians, BFM 89.9. 
89.9. It is 7.17 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. We're asking you what subjects and activities would you like to see introduced into our school system? You can call 7733-2900, send a voice note to 018-789-8899. You can drop us a WhatsApp also and tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, let's keep it going with the voice notes. We have uh, someone who wanted to remain anonymous. Hi, I'm not sure how the minister came up with the idea of introducing combat sports into our syllables. It is not to say a bad idea, it's just that I think there are more pertinent methods that our students should be studying. For example, I think they should collaborate with fintechs to come up with investing lessons for our students and not just investment that is for local but also investing lessons for how do you invest in foreign markets etc and these are the kind of tools that students can actually bring with them to adulthood and they they'll be more confident in their financial management so i think that is what is needed in Malaysia for a country that honestly have poorer financial management and well our currency is bad so it would be great if we could earn some foreign currency as well. Anonymous, thank you. Um, so uh, an extension of learning financial management. Now we're talking about investment. Yeah, I wonder behind if behind Anon's um, sort of statement of what is needed is a thinking about what is hard skills and what are soft skills, right? And the hard skills lead to jobs. They lead to practical things that can be monetized in the future. Um, but personally, Lynn, I think that we often get this wrong because there's so many soft skills, we think are soft skills, that are actually today. Think of storytelling. You know, it seems so kind of fuzzy and, you know, woolly-headed to talk about storytelling. But, you know, it is the backbone of the gaming industry. A billion-dollar industry relies on storytelling. And so do we say well, that's not the skill that we want our kids because, oh, it's wishy-washy what can it really do? Um, so I would say, you know, we need to kind of work out of these binaries about skills and learn that the, the school should provide a whole complement because different kids going to gravitate to different types of skills. Well, you know, the thing about communication is that these sorts of soft skills are exactly what people say are going to keep us safe from the robots, essentially. You know, when when AI truly starts to take over a number of jobs that can be automated, um, the things that people say, uh, I don't know how, how necessarily true it is as we see a changing landscape, but, but they often say that what we have going for us are these soft skills, these exact things. So you're right. Um, that there's something to that. I mean, Christian also says, I agree with those who propose life skills like sewing, cooking and so on. I think our school should also focus on developing critical thinking, humanities and creative skills. So do introduce philosophy and ethics, which are so critical in this age of AI and problem solving. Um and media studies to analyse the world. Do you ever wonder why foreigners are so articulate on TV, but even our ministers stammer? Please introduce theatre and literature in schools so our children learn to express themselves and start orchestras in each school with Western and Eastern instruments, for example, gamelan, uh, Chinese and Indian drums, to build musical skills. Yeah, so there's one level, and I understand this whole thing about presentation skills, that you know, speech and drama classes were always given as something that middle-class families took their kids to because we, they need to learn how how to speak properly and pronounce their words properly and all that. But actually, theatre, music at a deeper level teaches you something completely different, which is not about a skill that can be monetized or usable in that simple way, right? It is when you inhabit a, a, a skill like dancing or theatre very deeply, it has a transformative effect on how you think about the world. And I think that's what the education we want. That's the kind of education I would want for myself or for, uh, or, or, you know, or for children. Well, CK, I think, is echoing that, saying, instead of critical thinking, I believe nowadays parents prefer to get their children to learn about dancing, singing, piano, swimming, or any other talent. And I, I think, so I'm not, 100% sold on the idea that people prioritise dancing and singing um, over 
coding, for example. I think if we're going to make the money argument, then maybe that's it. But I think that there is something to be said, and it's a thread that we've seen in our conversation today. I think some people do feel more comfortable with something that looks like something on a CV. I'm not going to be able to put on my CV, I'm a great critical thinker. Take my word for it. Um, you know, but I can say that I play piano to a grade eight level. So I think that there are certain things that people still feel more comfortable being able to quantify. Yeah, the quantification thing, I'm, I'm not against it. I mean, my mother invested money in a piano uh, in her talentless son, you know, desperate years of wanting me to learn piano, ending in nothing, uh, not even a deep appreciation of music, which is something I got outside of the piano class. Because I think when you approach something like piano music with the intention of getting to the grade grade eight, right? I think it's your final grade, isn't it? Um, then your your approach is going to be different. Yeah. Right? I mean, and this is the, this sometimes is the problem. We, our, our intentions are great, but our approach actually thwarts the very objectives that we have. So Elaine says, part of the teaching curriculum covers the topic of how teachers can make lesson plans that help students move up the skills acquisition process. They call it HOTS, higher order thinking skills. Methinks go back to what they learned in teacher training. Ethics needs to be role modelled. But Elaine also says, I challenge the subject of mental health. Why not resilience? And I I think that's interesting partly because I didn't actually see it in opposition. I I think that actually um, teaching people about their mental health or, or, you know, having integrating that into conversation is actually or, or rather emotional resilience should be a significant part of having that conversation. Yeah. So maybe, Elaine, you're kind of reacting against uh, this idea that we'd be teaching kids to constantly put their hand up and say, you know, I'm having I'm a anxious. Moment. I'm, I'm anxious. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, we give them a vocabulary that will actually make them victims of their own emotions, right? I mean, maybe that's what you fear. And I, they, I can see that also in popular culture. Popular culture has made people much more aware, uh, given them a vocabulary, but maybe not sufficiently. So they get deployed in ways that are actually self-defeating, when in fact what we want is to build resilience. Mm, and I think that if done correctly, Really, they shouldn't be in opposition. They, they should be hugely complementary to one another. Uh, we have, let's see, another voice note. Hi, uh, Daos here. I have two suggestions to make. Number one, uh, international affairs. I think it's very important for our kids nowadays uh, to learn about what's happening, what's going on around the globe, uh, especially things that has direct impact or even indirect impacts towards our country. And number two, I think uh, project management is very important as well. Uh, and I think it can open up to so many other areas that you know, our kids can apply later on in life, you know, be it in commercial setting or even in, in, you know, volunteerism or charities where they can apply the knowledge in project management. Uh, so I think that's all. Thank you. Thanks, Dawes. Um International affairs is interesting because I think first our history uh, needs to be made a little bit broader when it comes to world history. Right now, we cover it really, really quickly. It's a, it's a matter of chapters and then, you know, we're, we're deep in the weeds of Johor and like Johorian politics back in the day. But I think that I agree with you. I do think that it has to go hand in hand with a broadening of our Sajara syllabus. The other thing about project management, this is what you're supposed to learn in group projects, right? Yeah, but I'm not sure how much methodology is dispensed to kids when they do projects, whether they just stumble along and then and then they assess on the final project, I mean, the outcomes rather on the processes. Because I think what Dows is really pointing to is to be much more conscious of the processes you uh, you adopt in trying to achieve your objectives in, a, in say, for instance, a school project. I'm trying to wrap up some of the larger themes that have come through. Um, Sai says basic programming would be nice. Financial literacy would be very nice. Document software literacy, very nice. Philosophy, very nice. Competitive arm wrestling would be fun. Um, Sai, I saw a uh, arm wrestling competition recently for the first time in my life. It's remarkable. For the technique, or for the physiques, for the... For no, the, no, just the, all of it. The chalk, the the standing on the step, the, the all of it. I just, if anyone hasn't seen it before, I, I just, I, so I just we, recommend how, it. Okay, 
sumo or arm wrestling? If you had to choose, if you had to go to a desert island and you had to make a choice of the kinds of videotapes you took of you with you onto the desert island, would it be sumo or would it be They're arm wrestling? Both just so immediately understandable. There's a clear victor. <laughs> like, Which you know, one? Which one? Um, choose. Uh, competitive arm wrestling. Oh. Yeah. I'd go for the sumo. You haven't seen either. I have. All right. So anyways, um, okay, broad themes. Shazlin, uh, Brian and ECLH all bring up coding. Um, so Shazlin talk about how it's a game changer and there's so much value for students. Brian actually says, I hope the MOE will start to introduce programming language as a compulsory subject. We are so behind the Americans. Um, ECLH adds on um, yeah, adds on issues like reading skills, lifelong learning, cooking, so on and so forth. So the coding thing is interesting because we already have software and AI is going to help this uh, along you can just write simple sentences and it will code it for you, right? So, But in educating somebody about coding, what are you really teaching them? You're teaching them logical thinking, right? Think, to, to process, right? Thinking. So, yeah, do the coding. We know soon you, you'll just have to speak and the codes will be produced for you. Um, yes, I, I think that actually a big part of why I think coding is so interesting is because then you know you just understand lang the language of it. I, I think that being able to understand something, even if something else can do it for you, is valuable. Indeed. Mm. Uh, keep those thoughts coming. We are talking today about subjects and activities that you'd like to see introduced in a school setting. There are so many others that have continued to come in. <laughs> it's really run the gamut. Lots of different suggestions. Uh, you can keep them coming. That number to send a WhatsApp to is 018-789-8899. You can also tweet us at BFM Radio. Keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.